Hi, this is Nathan Ruff. I'm the CEO of Rabbit. I connected with Pablo at the Capitalism Conference back in January of 2019. And you should connect with Pablo because he actually cares about you and your well-being. Unlike people that are just trying to build a giant network so they can pull from them, Pablo has nothing to sell you. He only has value to provide. And the best part is he has a giant network. He doesn't have a mastermind group or anything like that. But if he sees people that you would go good with, he just makes a connection to them. Uh, and that's just so helpful. And that's the way the world should be. So when you meet him and you think this guy is too friendly, he's definitely trying to sell me something. There's definitely something he wants. Like legitimately, Pablo's fine. He's got a awesome life. He serves every day. That's why he's so happy. He's not trying to sell you anything. He literally enjoys connecting with people. He literally enjoys helping people out. So I highly encourage you that you kind of take off your radar and your blocker and you just open your arms and give him a big hug and be his friend because he'll love that. And, you know, that will help him know more people and it'll help you know more people and everybody benefits and wins from that. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, in my walks, every man I meet is my superior in some way. And in that, I learned from him. This means every single person you ever interacted with has done something slightly different than every single other person and therefore has something to teach you. And you, my friend, have something to teach them. This means every conversation you have is both a chance to learn something and a chance to make an impact. Every networking event or conference you walk into is both a library and your stage. Your network is your personal Google and you are a part of everyone's Wikipedia. My name is Pablo Gonzalez, and I am your Chief Executive Connector. Follow me as we meet people in my walks. Find out what we can learn from them, what they've learned from others, and what made them want to connect so you can learn to gain and give value to others in all of your interactions. I am terrible at asking for stuff, but if you want to do me a favor, subscribe to the podcast. Let me know what you've learned from each episode, or at the very least, hit me up if I can ever be of service or any kind of value to you. Now, without further ado, let's get connected. Welcome to the Chief Executive Connector podcast. I am your host and Chief Executive Connector, Pablo Gonzalez, and we have a really special little episode going on today because we've got my friend, Nathan Ruff, who is what I like to call a thoroughbred entrepreneur. He's built multiple seven-figure businesses before the age of 25. He is uncomfortably wise and a really, really good friend. And in a really short amount of time, he's become one of my best friends. And I'm going to prove it with this. Mark. You messed up, bro. It's yeah. It's yeah. That's what you're supposed to say. Whatever. I haven't pra- we haven't practiced. We haven't seen you since January. Since Corona. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. Um, it's a it's a really, of course, interesting time, um, and I'm learning a lot about myself. And uh, I kind of have this goal of this being the most honest podcast I've ever done. Uh, I think that us as entrepreneurs, we get really into the habit of people thinking we have all the answers for everything uh, because we have a lot of people that ask us questions and look up to us and work for us. And so we get on podcasts and we pretend like we have the answers to everything. Uh, And the truth is we don't, Um, you know, like I'm good at a couple things. Um, And so I'm just trying to be really conscious of that and just give like my most honest podcast interview I've ever done. Uh, And just, I don't know. I just feel like that's what needs to happen. I love it, man. I love it. And listen, I I got a little nervous because you're so good looking on that intro. I forgot to say that you are somebody who is obsessed with building billion dollar companies, right? Like I I know I've met a lot of people that are very ambitious, that want to make a lot of money. You have this very much clarity of purpose of creating a billion dollar valuation, becoming president in 2052 of the United States of America, and cleaning up the world's making sure that everybody has access to potable drinking water. I think I would have done you a disservice if I didn't want to, if I didn't uh, present you that way, my friend. And in my, it's great the way that you started because in all my, in my rebrand of my podcast and what I'm doing, right. I'm, I, I, I want to prove out the thesis of the two ways that people connect 
is by sharing vulnerability or adding value to people's lives, right? And like you're, I know you're going to share a bunch of value here, but to to open up in a vulnerable way naturally already to me shows me your emotional intelligence that I've already been very prevy to, man. So you said that there's a couple things that you're really good at. Is there anything that that you're not really good at? Like, is there is there something that you're currently <laughs> struggling with right now? You know, I've never cared about health and fitness. Um, and that is, it's this weird thing. There's a lot of fitness entrepreneurs um, that are really powerful guys and like have great speaking voices and great podcasts. And they pretend like if you don't work out every morning, you're not going to be successful. And it's like, well, Warren Buffett has the worst diet I've ever seen in my whole life. And he is one of the most successful men in the world. So that is just like a dumb theory that makes people feel good. They get on the high horse. So I know nothing about fitness, health. Like I want to tell you, like, I don't know if there's sugar in a banana or not. Like I literally thought bananas didn't have sugar and I was eating like three, like three before bed. Um, and then my girlfriend graciously was like, Hey, they actually have a lot of sugar. That's why you have them when you run because like you burn sugar when you run. I was like, Oh, <laughs> that's why they give them out of this marathon. Um, and so uh, I would say that I would say I'm not very good at like sticking to things. Um, I'm, I'm very good at executing. Uh, but like, you know, like I don't drive the speed limit. Um, I very much live in my own world. Um, I, uh, sometimes am like the, like as much as I, people think I'm really emotional intelligence. I, I get so focused on accomplishing a goal that I completely, uh, miss like actually having conversations and congratulating people and like pushing people up. And like, you know, like if somebody sends me a video and it's 30 minutes long and it's amazing, but the quality is bad. The very first thing I'll write back every single time is what did you film this on? Like, and I'm not trying to be like, it's just in my head. I'm like, why did you ever do this? Um, like I love the podcast with your dad, but my very first thought was, what did you use? Like a flip phone? Um, and people that are, uh, are more sensitive than I am are like, Hey, I want you to tell me you love my podcast first. I want you to like, you know, like I want some encouragement as most humans do. Um, so I don't know. I mean, there's just a bunch, like there's so much I'm not good at, you know, like I, I look at Gary Vee and I'm like, all right, amazing marketer. I look at Greg Cardone. I'm like amazing sales guy. Um, and I'm like, I don't know if I'm a better marketer or sales guy, or if I'm good at any of those things. Um, and so I think being a consultant is super easy because all it is, is like, it's so easy from the outside to analyze things and view things. Uh, and so for me, that's like, when I, when I look at, when I give people advice and it makes them like a million dollars or half a million dollars. And I have like many case studies of this of people coming to me and saying, I need, this is my problem. And I just come up with a solution and then they executed it. It's like, technically that makes me a great marketer, but I also have very few stories of me doing that myself. Um, and so I think that a lot of things are easy from an outside perspective. Interesting. Um, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Nathan, can you, Tell our friend listening right now, kind of just your your background, how you got to where you're at right now, just to just to catch everybody up, so that way we can dive <laughs> deep into you know, yeah, establish some credibility for us, would you? So I grew up in Nashville, still live in Nashville. Um, have recently felt the conviction that if I really want to run for president, I really want to build billion dollar companies, I need to grow my network. Therefore, I need to move to new cities every two to three years, expand my network in those cities, and continue to do that. Um, but grew, you know, grew up in Nashville, uh, not from a wealthy family, youngest of four. Um, dad worked a lot. Mom was a stay-at-home mom. And my mom ended up pulling me out, homeschooling me. Um, I was supposed to go to a high school, ended up not. Um, so I ended up being homeschooled my entire life. Um, and that allowed me a lot of freedom. And because I was the youngest and I was just naturally a good kid, um, my best friend at the age of five was my 65-year-old neighbor, Charlie. And so when people are like, oh, you're a really old soul, it's like, it's all, it's like all my friends are in their 40s. <laughs> um, and so 
Charlie taught me about stocks. He taught me about bonds. He taught me about CDs. At the age of 12, I start my first business watering plants. Um, I wanted to start a business mowing lawns, but I wasn't strong enough. At 13, I buy uh, a set of golf clubs at a garage sale for $20. Uh, I take it home, like, look what I bought, dad. And he immediately starts yelling at me, you know, golf is for rich people. You'll never be able to play. You'll never be able to get good at it. You'll never be able to practice. This was stupid. And that's really how my dad approached everything I ever said to him. Uh, and I have a good relationship with my dad. Um, and I only tell that to say that, like, that is what motivated me. Um, and that's why, like, I have a real hard time with people believing in me. Um, because I it's not that I almost get like a lot of people, like I get fuel from the haters. It's like, no, I'm just used to people not believing in me. So there's no pressure for me to like, whatever happens, you know, at 16, I started a shirt company and, um, turns out like the domains are worth some money. And like this guy PayPal's me a bunch of money. Like I essentially sell the company. Uh, that's, that's kind of the shifting point in my career at 18. I decide I'm going to start an agency. Um, so I started the agency 20, I realized I'm an idiot. So I decided I'm going to read a hundred books a year. Um, so I start doing that. I'm then able to start to scale the agency. Cause I realized like, it's this realization that I don't have a business that I just, I'm like a freelancer and those have to build websites and I want to build businesses. Um, so I had no employees. I had no help. I had no support. Um, like I, I thought I was an entrepreneur cause everybody told me I was. But the truth is, I wasn't at all. I just, you know, I was just a freelancer. <laughs> so I then go on to build a, a pretty sizable agency. I mean, I think the most we were about is like 20 employees for a very short time. We were at 15 employees for a good amount of time. Um, raised to seven figures. I then go bankrupt. Uh, I never filed bankruptcy, but I just like, essentially, I was like, all right, if I hire more salespeople, we'll get more sales. And so I hired like a bunch of salespeople uh, and then all our pipeline, everything just started dropping. We started losing clients. All the stuff started happening, not losing clients, but deals not going through, ran out of cash. And you know, no, again, nobody told me anything. So I sold all my stock to like make all my payments, sold all my cars. So, you know, I, I talk about my, my rock boat bottom moment is like being in my office for like three days. I haven't eaten. I have like $4 in my account. Across all my bank accounts, I have like four dollars. Okay. So I'm sitting at myself, looking in the mirror, and I was like, "All right, tomorrow morning, I got to start up, figuring this all out again. I got no employees, I have no debt. I'm in a good starting position. I just got to sign one client to get money again. I'll use that one client to hire a couple of people back, and we'll just build it up again." Um, so that's exactly what I did. <laughs> and uh, you know, the truth is, is that I hated. Uh, running an agency because I had mastered it. Um, we'd signed over 400 clients and we've lost like three over those seven years. Now we're eight years. Um, so I'm like super great at taking care of people, super good at doing what I say I'll do. Um, I never care about money. We offer unlimited revisions. We offer, I'm not trying to make this a pitch for one night, but you know, like I just did everything the way it should be. If people weren't happy, they had 90 days after we launched the website to get a hundred percent refund. Um, I just did all these things that like made logical sense. Um, and you know, the truth is that I had tried everything with one nine and I had just worked with so many kinds of companies. I tried every marketing campaign ever to generate leads from one nine. And I can't name one campaign that ever was successful, super successful. You know, like we'd always get one to two leads. So seven years running agency. I'm like, I still don't think I've mastered how to get leads for an agency. Um, so with that being said, um, I just kind of been praying like, Lord, you know, I, I need something else. I need, uh, I need to get out of this. I'm just miserable doing this. So I'm on Instagram, friend Bailey posts on a story, 400 hour round trip flights to China, who wants to go? And I was like, sure. Yeah, I'll go. China sounds cool. We took me to my hotel to meet Bailey because he got there a day before I did. Um, and she walks up to this little kiosk. It's like this big, this big scans the QR code and out pops a power brick with the cords built in to charge her phone. And I was like, man, that's really, really cool. Um, and then I start to see it everywhere in China. 
Um, so from our estimates, we've been told there's like over a million of these units there. Um, and like one company alone has 400,000 and I've never even seen that company there. Um, so it just shows like how widespread, I mean, China's a huge one, but two, it's a very, very big thing there. Um, so I get home and my friend, I wake up at like middle of the night, but my friend Ryan is out. Um, and he's at Pinewood Social, which is a cool little hangout spot. He's with a bunch of people. And so I'm like, oh, I'll go stop in say hi. So I roll in and there's like 15 people. So I do what I always do, um, which is like, all right, guys, I want to take a little survey. How many people at this table have less than 20%? Like 12 people raise their hands. And I'm like, all right, how many of y'all would pay a dollar for a fully charged phone? And like 11 hands stay up. And I was like, what if there was like a kiosk that rented power bricks and it kind of worked like bird scooters we could rent and return anywhere. And everybody's like, that's super cool. How does that not exist? Da, 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 da. And I literally was like, yeah, I don't know how it doesn't exist either. You know, just like whatever. Um, <laughs> and so, um, you know, like I just continued to do that. And then I sat with an investor in early June and was trying to get invest in this metrics company I bought. Um, Spacemetrics.com. Okay. Um, and <laughs> I, I was like, yeah, so check this out. Uh, it's for agency owners. And I'm an agency owner. I know a lot of agency owners. And this is how I'll make money. And, da, 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 and this will be your return, all this. And he was like, yeah, cool. Uh, can you work on anything else? And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm working on this idea. Um, so I show him like, again, like his immediate response is like, you need to do this. It's like, this has billion dollar potential. Um, you're not going to buy G5 building websites was like his quote. And he's like, I'll fund this. Like I can make, you know, like, don't even worry about this. Um, which by the way, he did not invest. Um, he might invest in this next round, but, uh, because what he did was he, he underestimated me. He looked at me how a lot of people looked at me, which is this is a web designer who now has a good idea and now he thinks it's worth millions of dollars. He's going to try to raise at a multi-million dollar valuation. And like, he's out of his mind. Like he just talked to me about it for the first time a week ago. And now he wants me to write a check for 300 grand. Um, like this is crazy. So I decide that afternoon, I'm going to leave one nine. I'm going to go in, I'm going to start it. I'm going to name it rabbit. I'm going to raise $300,000 at a $5 million valuation which I later changed to a $3 million valuation. And when I say later, I mean like two days later, you know, like I did not, like maybe four hours later, like my initial that afternoon versus the next morning, I was like, I should do three. I should do three. Um, so within, you know, 72 hours, I had the money raised. Um, and then within a week, I had a million raised. I took 220 because my thought was, well, once I get it live, it's worth way more than this. So what's the bare minimum I need to get it live? And it was like 220 grand. Okay, cool. Um, so I got super fortunate. Again, I have no, like, uh, Sky Mayhew came on board as our CTO. Um, Sky could have been a one third owner in keeps, which I think now is worth about $250 million. Um, he was the first employee and the CTO of a startup in New York that raised, I think, $80 million and 200 employees. Um, so he's like as rock star as rock star gets. Um, so to get him as a CTO, so he comes on board um, and, you know, I do exactly what I said I would do, which is I went from, I did a lot. My goal was I did a live in 90 days when I did a live in 115 days um, and then launched Atlanta 10 days later and launched Miami a few months later um, and then have been in the middle of our second round and then COVID hit. Um, so that's kind of on pause right now, uh, but we have a lot of awesome things in the works. So that's kind of my my story is I'm just somebody who's like just kind of hopped along. Um, and every time I've gone to entrepreneur center wanting to start something new or something different, uh, when I, in my 20 or early, early twenties, like 21, 22, 23, I did that. But as I get hit mid twenties, I guess I'm in now still early twenties, you know, like 23 and on, I was like, I know I need to focus on one thing. Um, which is why when I, when I left one nine to start rabbit, I was like, rabbit, that's gotta be my focus. Um, and so, that's kind of my, my story and, and where I'm at. All right, man. Great. Very, very thorough. That was awesome, man. Um, I want to unpack a couple of things, right? So I, I, I hear that story. I hear of somebody who 
has a genetically genetic predisposition for focus in one way. I don't know if genetic or just learned early on, and then you have applied that focus very intently, iterating through multiple things. Would you say that that's accurate? I guess um, I'm. I can't multitask. Like when I see people that like brag about what good multitaskers they are, even though there's science that proves that it's called multi-switching, but that's neither here nor there. I'm like still amazed by it. Um, like when I watch Gary answer a question while somebody else is talking to him, asking him another question, and he does that perfectly, I'm like, not me. Um, I can't even listen to music and like write an email. Like I'm that singular focused. Um, but I, I think what it is is that I get... I just feel it from inside. I get this immense passion. So I get this vision of what I'm trying to accomplish. And then I just, nothing stops me. Um, so when I got the money for rabbit, I was like, this is what I'm like, I got to raise money. So I made that happen very quickly. Like, all right, now I got to make it happen. Made that happen very quickly. <laughs> um, and so I have this thing where, uh, I, I'm just, I have these goals. And when I set a goal, I accomplish it. Uh, and I always tell them, like, it's amazing to me when people bet against me. Like, that it blows my mind. Um, because it's like, I don't drink. I don't party. Um, like, when you look at distractions, like, I don't own a TV. I don't even own a microwave. Like, I eat Chipotle every meal. Why? Quick, fast, easy. You know? <laughs> like, like, I'm so singular focused on just, like, what I'm trying to get done that uh, I get it done. Makes sense. Hence why I describe you as a thoroughbred entrepreneur, right? <laughs> like I, I see that. And man, what I think is really cool about Rabbit and the little bit of part of the journey that I've been able to be a part of is that anytime you get to have a conversation about this, it's one of these like, oh my God, how did this not exist thing that how's it not going to become ubiquitous in culture, right? Like I see it like, like DVR didn't exist. And all of a sudden we're like, how the hell did this not exist? <laughs> right. Um, and I think it's really cool, man. When you say when you say that you get very singularly focused, right? Like I, I see you are singularly focused. You're very driven. You 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 finish things. You charge really really hard. But then and and self admittedly, right? You 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 don't have some soft edges, but you are a really warm person that cares about other people. Where does where does that come from? I mean, I think it's got to come from God. Uh, I don't know where else it could come from. Um, there's this idea that like. Uh, if, if Jesus died on a cross for me, uh, for my sins, then like there, there should be a response in the way I act and the way I care about humanity. Um, you know, cause I was a very angry child. Um, and like, uh, I don't know. I, I, I think about some of the things I did as a kid. I was like, man, I was so angry and mad all the time. And, you know, I came to know Christ very later in my life, 19 years old. Um, so I, I just think there is this thing of, uh, part of it comes from my dad. I mean, that's, you know, I grew up in a pretty, um, you know, dust off your shoulders, get over, you know, my dad's favorite quote that I heard about three times a day for my entire life was life isn't fair, get used to it. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think my, as much as I am rough around the edges and I can be really harsh, I can say really mean things and I can be a terrible human. Um, I also have immense heart for the people that aren't me. Um, so like my biggest thing about this COVID thing is like, I'll be fine. I know how to make money. I know how to provide value. What I'm very stressed out about, what I'm very worried about is the bartender who just thought, I don't care. I lose my job. I'll just go to the bar next store. And now he's legally not allowed to work. That's who I get really concerned for. Cause I'm like, like I've been around those guys. Most of the time they don't have backup plans. Most of the time like that is their life. They're enjoying it. They're living it up. They stay out late after they finish their job at night. And like, you know, again, that's their life. That's cool. But whereas me, it's like, I know that I can pivot and do X, Y, Z. Like I, I know at any time I can scrap together something to make something happen. Gotcha. Not sure if you answered it, but <laughs> you, you know, you are, you are also self-described as, and we've had these deep conversations about here. Like I grew up with very little guidance, right? Like everything I had to learn everything on my own. Yeah. Um, despite clear examples of, you know, you're saying how your old man is like, life is unfair. Get used to it. He was definitely disciplinarian. 
Um, yeah, I mean, treat others like you want to be treated. Like there is that golden rule that I think really does exist in me. Yeah. Um, like I'm okay with being yelled at when I make a mistake. So I'm okay with yelling at people when they make a mistake. Um, you know, so there is this like, um, I'm okay with uh, firing somebody because they cheated on their wife because I have a moral standard of people that work for me. Uh, in the same way, I'm okay with somebody like firing me if I like cheat on my wife and they found out because they have a moral standard that they live by. Um, so I think like the golden rule and I just, and like understanding, uh, like I just do a really good job or I try to do a really good job of understanding people's past or history, how they focus, how they think about something. Um, I've spent some time in Kenya and something about like, um, the, the people there is the way they approach a situation is far different than how we approach it here. Um, and it's mind blowing to me, but it's also given me context. And so I, I, I often am like, uh, I just feel like it's my duty. Like, I just feel like I'm blessed to be a blessing, I think would probably be my ultimate goal. So when you look at like why I want to ensure everyone in the world has access to fresh water, one, it's, it's what I just feel like streams my heart. So I feel like I'm somehow called to it. Um, it, it's a one that makes the most sense on paper. Like, Hey, how do all these diseases and all these things happen? Oh, because it lives in waters and swamps and because they're drinking it and bathing in it and everything. I was like, oh, so we had clean water. That wouldn't happen. Yeah, cool. Because these diseases and everything is in the water. Um, and so that is, uh, you know, I think that's just kind of what strains my heart. Um, and maybe that that comes out uh, in, in how, I, how I treat people. But, you know. Got I don't it. know if I'm answering it. <laughs> no, 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 you are, you are, you are. I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm just really interested in, in getting deep down into, you're so clear on, on the things that you want. Um, and coming from someone that has had to figure it out, out on their own, I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out like at what point those three goals that you have, the clean water, I assume Kenya probably played some, some role in, in, in seeing that people don't have clean water. No, uh, it's really the capitalism conference. The very first time I ever went, Scott Harrison from Charity Water came there and spoke. And in that moment, I was like, oh, like this is game changing. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's kind of where that, that started. Like, because he's the first person to create a charity that actually made sense, where it's like, oh, the money you donate goes directly to the cause, 100%. Um, so when you look at like awful organizations, like the, um, uh, cancer society, whatever it's called, um, you know, they like, they raised 350 million last year and they spent 300 million to raise that 350 million. It's like, oh, okay. Well, how much of it went to cancer research? Oh, like 25 million. Oh, okay, cool. So we don't actually do anything to solve cancer. We're just a big marketing company. Um, so I saw stuff like that and just really disgusted me because it's like, uh, and so to see something that's like, oh, this is how it should be. <laughs> and this solves a real issue. And like, I will say like Scott Harrison is the best I've ever seen somebody give a compelling reason. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I just think there's so many, like we live in the greatest, the greatest country the world's ever known. And where if you make over 30 grand a year, you're in the top 1% of the world. And almost everyone in the US makes over 30 grand a year. Um, so you know, just overall context. Um, but yeah, I can't, I, I can't tell you why, why I was drawn to making a difference in the world other than I think it is a spiritual thing. And I think it's just something God's put on my heart. And that's like the, and I don't want to get, make that a cop out answer. I just really think that's what it is. No, it could be, man. It could just be, yeah, it could be God put it in your heart. It could be whatever, mathematical probability for the exact chemical reaction that happens in your brain, unlike other people happens that, that, that makes sense. And, and what I'm starting to see is, which is what I was trying to get to is where the main vein comes from, right? Like I, like I, I now understand from knowing you and from what you're saying, you have a very strong sense of how it should be, right? Like you, you manage your company as like how it should be. You tell yeah. people what you think, how it should be. When you yeah. see something that is clearly how it should be, such as rabbit or charity water, it, you know, you, yeah, you, you yeah, act yeah. towards it. That's and, and, and now I see why you want to be president. Yeah. Right? Like I, that is, <laughs> that's a really funny thing. Cause like there is people are like, well, this is how you, you know, people do remind me of that all the time. Like you're saying this because this is how you believe it should be. Not everybody believes this, you know? Um, cause I, I'm one of those people that's like, 
um, if I met a modern day Hitler, I'd be like, what you're doing is wrong. Where I meet, a, I know a lot of people that are like, well, I don't want to offend anybody. You live your life. You live your truth. Da, 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 da. Uh, and it's like, that's not, <laughs> that's not how I'm going to roll. Like, um, you know, we're all broken in need of a savior. And for you to think you're, there's a better race, like if anything, it's like Pablo is a better race because he's got such beautiful olive skin. It's definitely not this hell guy here. Um, have, have you seen my skin, bro? <laughs> I would say uh, uh, um, olive ivory is more like more like what my skin looks like. Right. So, all right, man. Well, that I find that I found it interesting that we were able to get to to get to that point with it. Um, and I had somewhere I wanted to go with it, and now I'm going to have to edit this out or keep it in for vulnerability. No big deal. Um, how do we meet, Nathan? We met at a conference in Dallas. Yeah. In January 2018. 2019. Is it 2018? Was it 2018? 2019. Um, yeah. And uh, I brought you cheeseburgers because it turns out our Airbnbs were in the same building. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you've, you did the thing that I've um, you know, I was homeschooled. I had no friends. Um, and so I got death threats when I was like young because I started this like online shirt company that like made fun of prominent people like Lil Wayne. Um, and so I, I guess I was kind of asking for it. Right. But, um, and so I've always cherished people that can just be nice to me, uh, and people that are authentic and people who are real, like one of my last posts on LinkedIn, I don't know if you saw it, but it was like this, these people that sent this automated message about how they wanted to connect with me. But the problem was, is that like, I got their, I got their connections like a day apart with the identical messages. And so it's clear that it was automated. And I was like, Oh, like, see what I want is for you to write that message and it'd be true. What I don't want is for a thousand people to get that message. And I'm just one of those thousand. Yeah. Um, that, that makes perfect sense. I like telling, I want to tell my side of the story of when we met, like I, you got to where I wanted to get to, right? Like I like to deconstruct why, why yeah, I went very people, high level. You can go the exact moment. Cause it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good. Right. Like I, I anyways, my, the purpose of that question is to understand for our, our friend listening right now to understand what draws people to other people. Right. Cause I get most of the time I hear authenticity, right? Like, and that's, and I want to make that a very clear messaging, even though I meet people in all these really weird ways. You were standing with a group of, all right, so we're at this capitalism conference. These entrepreneur conferences is full of guys that are ironically dressed more like me right now, where it's like a race to see who can dress the worst, uh, because that's what makes a good entrepreneur, obviously. And I like to show up in, in a blazer, right? Like I'm, I'm one of those guys. You're a three-piece suit guy. You're always in a three-piece suit and some design. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing slippers. no tie today, and it is crazy. <laughs> that is pretty crazy. That is pretty crazy. And you were standing in a group of two other guys that were in suits. So I just walked up and I was like, Hey, what's up? Is this like the handsome blazer club over here? And like the, the other two guys were just kind of gave me this funny look, like I'm too cool for this. And you immediately engaged with me and started and started joking around with me. And when you found out I was from Miami, you made fun of the fact that I was from Miami. And that is the number one thing that makes me, <laughs> makes me like someone is if they can make fun of me immediately. See, so, like you thought I was making fun of you from Miami. I just asked if Miami was still like considered a U.S. city, and that was a genuine question. It's true. Um, Actually, yeah, <laughs> you know, you know what? More to get to get further into it. Actually, it was your ability to ask a question that I thought was making fun of me. And two, because you're like, why not just live in Mexico City? I was like, dude, you know Mexico City? Mexico City is awesome. <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, this kid knows Mexico City. And so, so that to me was cool. And then we exchanged numbers. And immediately we're listening to this like Stephanie McMahon presentation, um, uh, the daughter of the guy that founded the WWE, right? The world wrestling, uh, whatever it's called now. And you send me this text. Like, I know, I know that you're this guy in this three piece suit and you're from Nashville and you come off as this like Southern debonair. And uh, you send me this text, like, what is this wrestling thing? Do people even watch this? I'm like, whoa, what kind of Southerner is this? <laughs> Which, yeah. again, got me fascinated by you. But your ability to just immediately text me and, and ask me a question, that, that to me, like that, 
that initiative of follow through right there was something that I really liked, right? Like I, I, yeah. I took that from that interaction that don't overthink once you connect with somebody to shoot them a text immediately, making a question about something that has nothing to do with any background, just immediately going to them for something genuine, which I thought was cool. Yeah. Cause I've, I, you know, I always want more friends. Um, and that was a genuine, like, Hey, <laughs> have you ever watched this before? Like the reason I texted that I was looking for somebody to be like, yeah, I don't know what this is about either. That's what I was, that's the response I was looking for. I was, I thought we'd both sit there and just talk shit about how stupid fake wrestling is, but that's not what happened. <laughs> no, not what happened. You know, I, I, my, my first year back from Spain, when I moved to, to the U S I had like two friends that taught me about wrestling and baseball cards. And that was like my indoctrination into American culture. So I was for about one year of my life, I was obsessed with Hulk Hogan and the ultimate warrior. And, uh, that's about it. Right. So, yeah. And like, you know, never have owned a baseball card. Uh, I've never watched WWE <laughs> and, you know, like I just was a, like I was a 50 year old man when I was a kid, um, because my two older brothers were already kind of out of the household. Um, my dad was gone a lot. My mom doesn't know about any of that stuff. And then my best friend's a 70 year old man across the street. So, you know, like I yeah. was just gonna, like, I have this, I have this just crazy story that is just so unique in mine, you know, it's just uniquely my story. And now that you say that, Nate, I think of the reason why we truly do really click on a, on a very deep level, which is not to get too, too forward here, but it's also how I feel like I click with my wife. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> I can't wait to put this clip on Instagram. Yeah. By all I means. cannot wait. It's that we see the world as an outsider. Right. And, and as, as emotionally intelligent people, when you see that, when you're able to see the world as an outsider and then figure out a way, figure out the need for being on the inside and belonging, then you start really valuing that outside perspective and it makes you an effective communicator and it makes you an effective person that, that, that is able to build consensus and get people to do stuff, man. I think that's what it is. Yeah. That's interesting. I, before when I was a little more harsher than I am now and I just love to rant about stuff. Um, I'd be like, Oh, I hate when people are trying to find themselves, you know, what does that even mean? And it's cause I've literally been myself my whole life. I was never indoctrinated. I didn't go to public school. I didn't go to private school. I wasn't indoctrinated. I didn't go to college. Like, like I missed all the indoctrination. So you just end up like a normal human being. Um, yeah. Where most people are like, oh, why'd I go to college? My parents wanted me to. Why'd I do this? My parents wanted me to. Why'd I do this? My boyfriend wanted me to. Why'd I do this? My best friend did it. Da, 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 da. And then they find themselves 25 years old and like, I don't even know who I am. Um, and so I have this huge benefit where like, because I missed all that, which to some people was like incredible downside. I actually was just myself the entire time and just like became me. Yeah, you have been you have been iterating through your internal compass your whole life with very little noise to 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 throw it off, and that makes a lot of sense. I never thought about that either. Yeah, and and I'm just trying to like just be honest about things and just get better at that. Um, you know, I used to be this dude that read a hundred books a year and got up at four a.m. and did all the right things that entrepreneurs are supposed to do to be super successful. And the past nine months, I haven't read a lot of books. Um, I get up anywhere from like 3 a.m. till 11 a.m. Or yeah, 3 a.m. to 11 a.m. I go to bed anywhere from like 10 p.m. till 4 a.m. <laughs> um, and my schedule's just been crazy. And I'm just kind of just doing my thing. And where I used to, you know, have 20 meetings a day. Now I have like one, you know, and it's like these things of like, guess what? That one meeting's still really important. I'm still moving things forward. I'm still hiring the right people. I'm still working on what my goal is, but I'm just not feeling shameful of like, I need to be doing this because Gary V is such a like, Yeah, I'm just like living my own life. And like, I have this plan and I know how to provide value. Um, and this little break from everything's good. And if I feel the initiatives to get up at 4 a.m. again, I can do that at any time. This isn't a, about willpower or how strong I am mentally. Like, you know, sometimes I'll give you five grand if you got up at 3 a.m. every morning. I would do it. But like, this is just like, hey, this is where I'm at in life right now. I'm accepted. I'm cool with it. This is who I am. Nathan Ruff wants to get up at 11 a.m. That doesn't mean Nathan Ruff's a failure. It doesn't mean any of this stuff that the society and entrepreneur world has told me. Um, 
And I don't need to be a cool kid. That's like, look at me. I follow all the rules and everything perfectly. You know, like I'm just like the poster boy of entrepreneurship. I build million dollar companies and I get up at 4am and you're lazy if you don't like, like that's where I'm really like just growing. I'm like, yeah, like everybody's on their own journey. Uh, I think there's some core principles I stand by, you know, like don't do things, fake stuff, no fake followers, no automated bots, unless like it's like a, unless people are know that it's automated. You're not trying to like hide it. Um, and you know, just like trying to be authentic and real and provide value. So therefore no bullshit online courses. Um, but <laughs> you know, what just you like, do, overall, like I'm just like trying to be, I'm just trying to be myself and like be actually really okay with that. Amazing, man. Amazing. Like we can go into so much more cause I know you well and there's a bunch more, but you're, you're going to be a second, uh, second, second time guest on this show for sure. I think we should go in a bunch more. Uh, I can't right now. What I need to go into right now is the lightning round. Pam, 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 pam. You ready? Yeah. <laughs> I can tell by your face that that totally annoyed you. What is your favorite restaurant in your favorite city and what dish do you get there? 210 Jack. Kids ramen. Uh, two, four things of yakitori. Two of the uh, sasami with no wasabi and two of the skirt steak. And I do sprinkle the seasoning comes on the side on top. All right. And that's in Nashville, Tennessee. Yes. All right. Just, uh, that's that, that, that question is made to give somebody a recommendation. Just add a little value. If you're in Nashville, <laughs> go check out 210 Jack or, uh, the, the other place was it called? No, nope. Uh, that was it. That was, I was just giving my exact order to 210 Jack. Oh, okay. So 210 Jack is the name of the restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Good. Good to know. I'm glad we clarified that. What content are you most into right now? This could be a podcast. It could be a person. It could be an actual book. It could be a TV show, which you don't watch. But what what content are you most into right now? I I haven't been uh, too much into a lot of content lately. Um, I've been actually a lot more into just music and just kind of vibing. And um, I... I, I love seeing like uh, this. Guy, I, forgot, I don't know his last name, but Graham something. He's like this finance guy on YouTube. Yeah, he's huge. Um, and I just, I really just got into his stuff. Um, and then like, like I always say, like you know, in the way that people love Kim Kardashian, I love Grant Cardone. Whereas in the sense of like watching him, if I want to, if I feel like laughing, I just watch like some podcast he's been on. <laughs> um, so like I was watching him and Jordan Belfort. And he was like, um, not interested is a level of interest. And I was like, ah, what? <laughs> <laughs> when they say no, they mean yes. And then I was like, you can't apply that to dating. And then I was like, wait, his story is that he cold called his wife for 14 months until she went out with him. So he did apply that. Um, so like, I just think like all his stuff is hilarious. Like, I don't like any of his advice for the most part, but I think just the way he talks about stuff is hysterical. Um, and so I love like, uh, you know, I just love hearing people's point of views and like thinking, okay, why do I have this strong reaction to it? Like, like I just, so I've just like kind of been all over the place. Uh, I really like Graham's the way he approaches things. Um, he's like, he seems to be very secure. Uh, he just has like sound financial principles. Um, and in the same time, like, you know, Dave Ramsey, who's here in town, um, like he was saying like, nobody should take the SBA loan, you know, cause if it's not, he's just like, like, it's not, you know, you never like government's going to tell me how to run my business. You know, it, you're going to have to pay that back. You never get money, know how to pay it back. And I'm like, well, it's literally written in the law that if you spend on payroll, you don't have to pay it back. That is like literally in the law. Um, and it's like, why are you hurting small business owners right now? Cause they have entre leadership where they have thousands of small business owners I'm telling them all not to take this loan. And I'm like, man, that's really unfortunate. There's all these people that could get 10 K that's completely forgivable if they use it on payroll and they pay their employees under hundred grand a year. And they're just telling them not to do that. Um, so I see things like that and that's just kind of, you know, it's like sad for me. Um, but also challenges me. I went, you know, it's like, nobody's read the 800 page uh, like thing. I was like, one, I know my accountant has, we talked about it. And two, I'm gonna go read it right now. So there's two of us now. <laughs> nice. What is 
When's the last time somebody changed your mind about something? Oh, that's so good. Um, I I really don't know because I don't think that's like something I keep track of. Mm-hmm. I. By the way, you inspired this question in me when you changed my <laughs> mind about gun control and like two statistics. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll, I'll say that a recent shift in my mind that happened, uh, this week, I am like through and through a capitalist bank should never got bailed out. Airline shouldn't get bailed out. Da, 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 da. And this week I came to the conclusion, this is actually, I guess, late last week. If the government forces you legally to shut down, they should be responsible for the financial loss and getting things back to normal. So like, I'm, I'm totally cool if you own a business and you mismanage it and it goes bankrupt and people lose their job. That's the capitalistic story. What I'm not cool with is if you legally force me to shut down, I go under and then you're like, sorry about it. <laughs> so I've, I've kind of had, I'm not, as much as I'm a pure capitalist, I've actually had a little divide, like, oh, actually, maybe if government does ever reach, um, there should be a way that they work to fits where they ever reached and force you to do something. Um, okay. Interesting. Well, how did, how did you come to that conclusion? Just because you were presented with the fact that you had never seen that happen before. So you had to make a new opinion on it. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw all these bars and restaurants, everything be crushed. Um, and then, and I thought, man, if they're forced to shut down and lay off everybody and they don't get any money and they're still forced to pay rent and do all like, if they're, if all this, if they're, if the government is forcing them to not do business, but yet then, then they're still forced to continue to pay all their bills. That's an issue. Uh, and that just doesn't seem right. Like my call is the government should never force them to do it in the first place, which is where I stand. Um, but if the government does force you to do something, then they should have a plan to, compensate for the damage that was caused because of it. So where do you stand on something like, I mean, so, so, so what should the government have done about the coronavirus, right? Like what, what if, if, if there is a, if there is a pandemic that threatens to just go buck wild and there is a move that you can make to curtail future problems, what is the role of government there? So there's a bunch of debate on the coronavirus and everything around it. Um, and all, all I can say and all I will say is this, that if you look at Italy's numbers, um, 99.2% of everyone that died had one or more pre-existing conditions. Um, so I believe there should have been a ban against, you know, uh, essentially you should have self-quarantined if you had a pre-existing condition. Um, that, you know, that's fine. That's understandable. Um, and there should have been precautions around like, Hey, don't hang out with people with pre-existing conditions because things spreads like wildfire and you probably have it and everything else. Um, and, uh, you know, we continued things and a bunch of us got it, a bunch of us got through it, herd immunity, everything else. Um, and then the government did a very good job of, getting Uber Eats and getting all these people to not only deliver food to everybody with a pre-existing condition, but make sure everything was sanitized and make sure that everybody had everything they needed. Um, and so I, that's how I would have, uh, you know, um, when you look at the suicides that are going to happen because of this, uh, when you look at all the things that will happen because of the shutdown, uh, the people that will go bankrupt, people that will lose their businesses, people that will lose their homes, people that will lose Everything, you know, now there is, are we up to 30 million unemployed? Um, that is, uh, that's, you know, uh, to me, flu kills, you know, 50,000 people a year. There's a bunch of things that kill a lot of people. Um, and Corona is bad. And, uh, you know, it, it will be interesting to see if it was a bioterrorism attack and that, you know, this is not just, this was a created virus and it maybe didn't mean to get out, but it did get out and it was a created virus. Um, and so it should be, you know, interesting to see our response to bioterrorism. Um, and overall, um, you know, Bush became obsessed with this idea of a pandemic happening because he was reading that one happens every hundred years. <laughs> like the Spanish flu was in 1916. And he was like, all right, the next one's going to be in 2016. 
So he put together, he spent about, I think, like a few billion dollars uh, getting all that ready, defibrillators, everything. Um, when the swine uh, flu happened, all that got depleted, uh, and neither Bush nor Trump, uh, so both sides of the aisle, uh, re- restocked that, essentially. Um, and we, Or I think we would have enough defibrillators and everything else. So I think there was a little bit of government to not take pandemics serious enough. Um, you know, again, Bush was obsessed with it, which is why he had a correct <laughs> response, spent a bunch of money, put together a task force, all this. And then when the swine flu came, which is very bad, I mean, if you look at the swine flu numbers, they're terrible. Um, you know, uh, there are far more deaths than the, than the coronavirus globally. I mean, far more. Um, and so, yeah, that, that would have been my, my personal re- response to it. Um, I think this could end up being a, you know, originally said a $20, $20 trillion hit on our economy. Um, I now think it could be way, way more than that. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Listen, man, I, I, I went there cause I know that all your responses are always well thought out. So you were going to be okay <laughs> on that plank. So we're on the last question before I go there, obviously, man, thank you very much for being on this platform. I want to give you a chance to promote whatever you want to promote. I'm obviously going to link your Instagram in the, in the feed, the Nathan Ruff, imnr.com, your website. But I want to give you an opportunity to draw attention to anything that you want to draw attention to, whether it's charity water or, 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 or rabbit fundraising or, or whatever you want to kind of call out right now. This is your, your moment. Yeah. What are you doing to make a difference in the world financially? Everybody loves to talk about raising awareness, but with all these nonprofits need, what we all need, what you need, what I need, we need more customers. We need more, uh, we need chances to meet more people, to provide more value, to make them more money. Like, like, um, I don't, like, we got to look at what real value is. Um, And you volunteering is great. You taking money out of your piggy bank and giving it shows a real commitment and like it shows a through and through commitment, not only of your time, but of your resources. Um, I ask people all the time, how much of your yearly income do you give to nonprofits? Um, and everybody is like, one, like, why are you asking me this? this is so weird. And, you know, like it's a crazy question, but it's just a really good thing to challenge you with. Um, I remember uh, like, I remember, and this is before Joe Biden was running for president. So this is about 2016 when I was on this rant. Um, but like Joe Biden, like 2013, I think gave like $2,000 to charity. I'm like 800,000 in income. Uh, and I'm like, man, like that's so terrible. Um, and keep in mind, I'm sure there's, I'm not like calling out Democrat or Republican. You know, it's just like, that's a public figure that didn't give a lot of money. Um, and I, I just don't want that to be me. Uh, whether I run for president or whatever happens, like I just want us to be like, man, there's needs in the world and we can solve them financially. Like, like I've been given this check and yes, I can go buy new rims for my car or I can just like go donate money and just like help people. And it might come back around and I can buy even better rims for my car, you know, but like this idea of like giving more than just like not giving for a tax write off, not giving. So you feel good, but giving so you can meet needs. Uh, and the people that, these charities get these big donors. And when you look at those big donors, it's like, how many of you care about like made a difference or was this just a cat's write off that you had to do? And you're like, all right, sure. <laughs> um, so I just, I love to challenge people on this idea of like, like where are you putting your resources to work? I love it, man. I love it. And then the last question that I ask people are, is where do you find community? That is uh when I do well in life, it's because I have good community. When I don't do well in life, it's because I don't. Uh, and I see a direct correlation in that. Um, so the best time in my entire life is when I was in this amazing men's Bible study. Um, and I haven't had one like that since. That was like four years ago. Um, so I find community online uh, because I am not an influencer, but like I do like to connect to meet with new people. Um, I find community, like I, like kind of like you, like I just enjoy, I'm actually looking for community. Um, I'm on the search for community. Um, and so I'm always just trying to have conversations and talk with people. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I love in-person community and typically that's found through a church, especially when you don't drink or party. <laughs> um, and that can be 
in nonprofits and giving and, you know, and, and part of that. Um, but the, the thing when I volunteer with nonprofits, it's like, uh, all these people are people that volunteer in nonprofits all the time. Uh, where I'm most, where I enjoy is like being a room full of business people. Um, so, you know, a conference where I meet somebody like you that invites me to all the after parties and everything else is like seriously the best moment ever. Like when we're at all at a steakhouse together and it's 30 of us and I, um, you know, like I met this, uh, Jeremy, I was, was the guy I was sitting next to, uh, ecomcpa.com. He, uh, he's a great, um, he's not actually my CPA, but he did some work for me and he's been, he's helped my friends out. He's been awesome. Um, I heard he has a really nice website too. <laughs> I didn't do his website. <laughs> um, I just know his domain cause it's easy to remember. Uh, but you know, I, I look at like Jeremy and I look at how like fun it was just like meeting him and like the whole reason he bought a branding package for me and he never used his logo. So if you go to his lo- website, you see his logo. We didn't do that. Um, but it was because I told him, I told the waitress, I was like, if you convince this guy to buy a branding package right now, I'll give you a hundred dollar tip. Um, and he's like, all right, I'll do it. And so then I gave her a hundred dollar tip. And I looked at like the fun of being around all these business people. Um, and like the late night community and like, like me bringing you cheeseburgers at 1am and like whatever, you know, like, like that's like, that's where I thrive is around other people that like are obsessed with business and ideas and growth. Um, and where I don't thrive is a bunch of people that are like on like the, like the click funnels conference. I don't thrive. I don't meet, I don't connect with any of those people. <laughs> like if you get me around like some real thoroughbred entrepreneurs, like I'm in heaven, but you get me around like people that like sell products on Amazon that they don't even care about, but it's just like a way to make money. And they're really good at convincing people to click something. Uh, I'm just like, cool. Like, what's the <laughs> point of all, <laughs> you know, like, Hey, yeah. hey this is cool. You know? Um, and so, yeah, but I, you know, ultimately I, I love people. I'm an extrovert. Um, so where I find community, I guess I'm just always looking for it. It was kind of the answer. That's a great answer, man. Buddy, I want to thank you, man. And I want to acknowledge you for the guy that you are. You are somebody that really, man, just really cares, right? Like you really are somebody that I feel adds maximum value to every situation that you're in and every relationship that you're in. And I can, it's very clear to me that that's your intent. Um, and you've done that in my life since the moment I met you, man. Like I met you like right at, right at the beginning of like my, the bottom of my trough and, uh, and, and, and you've been there throughout and you gave me some great advice. You helped me, you know, build the website cause I wasn't going to do it by myself and still haven't put a lot of attention to it myself, but like you, you really do show up, man. And I think that's a really wonderful thing. Um, super wise guy. And, and it just blows my mind that, based on the fact that you're such a late bloomer, your cerebral cortex isn't really fully online yet. Like right <laughs> at 25 is like the year that it comes online. So I, I'm just pumped that we're going to be friends. I'm pumped to see what you're going to be able to do with that thing, whether you develop telekinesis or whatever. Uh, I, I think it's really wonderful, man. So just thanks for yeah. being, thanks for being a friend, man. It's been an amazing ride with you so far. Yeah. You know, and, and you've been an amazing friend who's, who's always given credit where credit's due. Um, and that's helped me so much, you know, like, Every time you hop on the call with somebody and they say they love your email and you're like, Oh, like that was Nathan's idea. Um, like, you know, uh, and you can edit this out of the podcast, but like Brad, uh, we're going to be doing his like website. And he was like, yeah, you know, I was telling Pablo like, man, what a great email. And he was like, yeah, that was Nathan. (laughs) Dude, I Um, love, I love singing your prayers for that. Singing uh, your, uh, singing your praises for that email. It's brilliant. And you know, and this is like, like, like Brad, uh, I was yelling at him in his living room. Um, and there's these guys that do the most incredible drone footage and they, they're in Nashville. And I was like, look at the drone footage in Nashville. Let's just get, we're going to get them to do the website background for you. And he's like, well, I just bought a drone. You know, how about we shoot it? And I was like, Oh, well I, you know, I have a paintbrush. How about I paint this house? Like, and then I just started yelling, we don't take shortcuts. The world Uh, deserves better. I don't work with people that take shortcuts. If you're going to hire me, we're going to hire the best there is. (laughs) So I was the one that told him he should get that drone. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
yeah, my whole thing is like, why do you even own this? <laughs> so funny, because I was like, I was like, your job is to sell homes, not fly drones, hire somebody. Um, and you know, he's he's made more content with it and it's fine and it works. But my big focus to people that are trying to build businesses is stop doing the work yourself and hire somebody to do it. But there's always now there's 30 million employees. You'll find somebody that can fly that drone for you. Yeah, yeah, it's true, man. But you also gotta meet people where they're at. You know he's a guy that likes to do stuff himself and you know he's a guy that wants to make sure that the minimum viable product works with him doing it period right which is why i was like dude you're going to get a ton of use out of this drone right like if you don't want to pay someone to do this every time you're going to buy a drone you're going to take a bunch of pictures it's going to help you um you're yeah, a tinkerer you so know. The, the thing especially because he sells high rises like he's going to get so much yeah. fucking use out of that thing <laughs> i know you know what i'm saying no, just like he for sure will yeah, yeah. um i was but it's thing for the website it's like hey these are people that do it great yeah, we don't yeah. i don't take my websites don't take shortcuts if you want to post on your instagram drone footage because that's easy and cheap yeah. you know because again it'd be very expensive to hire for all your instagram videos yeah, right yeah, yeah. um you want shortcuts go to pablo <laughs> <laughs> But no, you know, it's this thing of like just expecting because the thing is, is I know what his goals are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and for somebody that has enormous, his, he has goals my size. He just doesn't talk about them. Um, and so because of that, I know that like, hey, you have to approach things 100% differently and it's uncomfortable, but this is what is required to, to accomplish this. Um, but anyway, I know you got to head to your next meeting. Um, love you so much. I'm, I can't wait for Corona to be ever. I tried to surprise you last week. Uh, really? Um, yeah. So I booked an Airbnb in Jacksonville. Um, you know, I, um, <laughs> I'm like, I had everything planned out and ready to go. And then I messaged the, the host and I said, Hey, I'm actually going to be there a day later. And he said, um, you know, actually somebody else is looking like somebody else was hoping to book this and you booked it. Um, and they're liking it. Like he's like, I know you're an essential employee because you had to be that to be able to book on He's like, but they're like an emergency room doctor. Uh, would you consider canceling? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll cancel. Yeah. You know, like, I'm not, I won't be a terrible human. Um, so I was planning on driving down to Jacksonville and then like knocking your door and being like, what's up? That would have been amazing. Um, that would have been amazing. But, and it would have freaked the fuck out of Marta. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever. Uh, no. <laughs> I know you're not worried about it. Or not, I've never met face to face. So, I you know, know, I don't know. To... <laughs> now, um, so I will, I, I, I say all this to say, I'm looking forward to seeing you again soon. And I'll Likewise. see you in Jacksonville. And I got rid of the Mustang. So I have a car that's quiet on the interstate. Um, and so I look forward to driving down and seeing you within the next couple of weeks. Um, and I'm, I'm also working on some cool projects that I'm, I'm excited to outside of this podcast talk on. Cool. Um, and rabbit, we have some really awesome things in the works. So awesome, bro. Awesome, man. I hope you enjoyed that conversation right there as much as I did. Listen, connect with Pablo is a content marketing community creation agency. The bottom line is that if you can start creating content that can give value to your customers or audience while creating strategic relationships through it, you can have a content machine that allows you to tell the story of your business through the value you are creating while gathering people together. If you're curious about that or know someone who could be, please shoot me an email at you should at connectwithpablo.com or hit me up on Instagram or LinkedIn through the profiles tagged in the show notes. If you just want a quick pick me up and some tactical advice right before walking into a room full of strangers, go to connectwithpablo.com, watch the five minute video about how to walk into a room and not feel like you're all alone and or download the little cheat sheet on how to do just that. I have a lot of my friends that I've done networking with me for a long time tell me that they love watching that thing and carrying it around when they're walking into a networking event or they're walking into a conference or sometimes even if you're just walking into a wedding and you don't know anybody, right? It has a lot of use for it. I invite you to check it out if you need it. I really hope you stick around, connect with me, and start leaning into finding value in others and feeling like you have value to give yourself. It'll make the world a better place. I promise. Until the next episode, I am Pablo Gonzalez, your Chief Executive Connector.